My microphone, there we go. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. All right. So who does not have an outline? If you do not have an outline, keep your hand up, please. Okay, up here in the front, we need one. To bring a Bible. Yes. If you don't have a regular 100% Bible, you got your phone, get on your app. Amen. So we're going to be starting on page 89. <laughs> 89. <laughs> on the outline, not in your Bible. <laughs> what do you think? You all have the same Bible? Everybody's going to have page 89? Oh, we're starting off good tonight. You know when we say that we're more than just a church, we're a family? That's a family moment right there. Yeah, they don't take it too far. <laughs> so we're going to start on page 89. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Section B. I'm going to try to get myself back together a little bit. Section B. Why does God want us to be blessed with abundance? So it says, there are two basic reasons God wants us to experience the blessing of the abundant life. First, God loves us and wants us to enjoy life. Second, God loves others, and he wants us to be a channel so he can bless others through us. God wants you to be blessed and to be a blessing. It's a fact that the more you have in spiritual and material things, the more you can give to others. So, so before we jump into that scripture, just to kind of like put this in context of how unique this is to Christianity, Okay, uh, you got to understand something. I'm not gonna. I don't get frightened. I'm not gonna give you a history lesson. Not a hundred percent, but in Roman culture, obviously, you know that the Roman Empire was a major uh, force in the Mediterranean world when the church was just getting started. In Roman culture, Roman culture pretty much mimics Greek culture, which is not a good thing. Okay, mm. because. Um, ancient Greek culture, you know, especially Spartan culture, they had no compassion for anybody. Okay. If a baby was born deformed, they would leave the baby out in the woods to either be eaten or just die from the elements. There was no such thing as caring for individuals. Even in the Roman Empire, there was no such thing as caring for individuals. It wasn't until the church came along that you had anything even resembling hospitals mm -hmm. or orphanages or education. That's all because that all came about through Christianity. Right. Now, other religions have, have kind of like copied it from that point on. But it's the whole idea of caring for people. So, so um, and I remember studying this specifically years ago uh, when the food pantry was kind of exploding on the scene, like, how do we do this? How do we fund this? You know, because I had told the Lord, yeah, I'll, we'll feed everybody in the city, but I'm not going to get up every Sunday and spend an hour taking an offering and try to squeeze money out of people. Mm -hmm. uh, I did, you know, you didn't call me to be a fundraiser. You called me to be a pastor. And so in doing that, I started to study and coming to realize that, you know, we have, uh, what do you need, a different mic? Yeah, I thought so. <clears throat> so coming to realize, um, 
We're doing really good tonight. Everybody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, so let me get back to what I was talking about, okay? So I started asking the Lord, like, how do I do this? How do we fund this food pantry without totally depleting the finances of the church, you know? And of course, you know, we put money into it and stuff. It wasn't we... And so I began to study, and I'll never forget, I was watching a TV program, and, and you, I know you've heard me tell this story before. And uh, I was watching this Christian TV program, and they were interviewing a gentleman who was a Christian historian, okay, a pr- pretty notable one. In fact, he was in Tulsa when we were going to Bible school out there at the same time. Uh, I can't remember, it's Vincent something or other. So um, he talked about, it was just, and he, he's just talking about just Christian history. And t- the program was about prosperity. And, uh, you know, me being a history student, I was like, man, this is right up my alley. Yeah. So he made this point. He said, and, and you'll recognize this, back like in medieval times, whenever, like say the Vikings, mm-hmm. okay? Vikings, when they attacked the city, the first place they went to was the church. They had all the money. Why? Because the church had the wealth. Uh, in fact, there's, in the city of Kiev in, in Ukraine, there's a church that still has doors that are made out of pure gold because they were too heavy for the Vikings to carry away, so they left them and walked away. <laughs> but it was a first, think about in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Whenever any army came to conquer Jerusalem, where's the first place they went? To the temple. Why? Because that's where all the wealth was. The mm-hmm. temple was like Fort Knox. Right. It wasn't just a religious institution, a religious facility. It literally was Fort Knox. That's where all the wealth of the nation was kept in the temple. And that's why when Jesus said, you remember, in Mark chapter, excuse me, Matthew 24, when he said to the, to the disciples, you think these buildings are so beautiful, the day's going to come where there's not one stone left on top of another. The reason that was fulfilled, because when they came and burnt the temple, all the gold, all the silver, all the precious metal melted and went into the cracks, went into the joints. Mm-hmm. And that's why they pried every stone apart to get every little bit of silver and gold out of there. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, I'm saying this because the church has always had to have a measure of wealth in order to do the things that they could do. Mm-hmm. So like, for instance, the, 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 and I'll let you guys in on this, it's not a secret or anything. So when we realized, you know, we started feeding 400 families the very first month we opened up the food pantry, right. which was way more than we had before. And then eventually then, when Sandy hit in 2012 and 2013, we were feeding 1,400 families a month, mm-hmm. okay? Do you, how do you feed 1,400 families a month if you don't have any kind of resources? That, yeah, you can't do it, right. So, so um, this gentleman who was a church historian um, pointed out that during, like, again, in the medieval times, like a, uh, an order of monks would go to a nobleman. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, they would get permission from the pope first. And that they said, you know, we want to open up this order. We want to be able to uh, help the people in this particular region, let's say in France or Spain or wherever. And so then they would go to the nobleman, whoever was in that area, the lord over that area, and he would give them a piece of, of property, mm-hmm. maybe, let's say, 10 acres of property, right? And then, because they had to be self-sufficient. Right. All right, so what they would do is, in order to um, uh, have a flow of income, have a, of a stream of income, mm-hmm. they would take the property, they would build in the center of the property, they would build their monastery, but then they would take one section and they would grow grapes. And then another section, they would grow olives. Mm-hmm. And another section, maybe they would grow wheat. Another section, they would grow something else. So that they had rotating harvests. Right, yeah, because different seasons. Because of different seasons. And so they would take the grapes, they would make, uh, they would make wine, they'd sell the wine, they'd 
support the ministry. They took the olives, they would sell the olives, or they would sell the olive oil, and support the ministry. They would do the same thing with the wheat. That's why you have like, uh, like uh, I think there's like certain jellies, even to this day, that certain monks, certain uh, uh, orders of monks are still famous for. There's, there's some wines that they're still famous for. Well, that's how they support it. So God, God has always endorsed this because he's the one who gives the ideas. Right. You have to have a stream of wealth. Mm -hmm. So when I went to the Lord and said, look, we need resources. You want me to feed these people? We'll feed the people. But again, I'm not going to beg people every Sunday for money right. for this. Show me how to do this. And that's where the thrift store came from. Yeah. The thrift store next door exists to support the outreach for the food distribution. So, God, so but this is what, what you say, like, like people get nervous, say, oh, the church and wealth, the church and wealth. Well, of course, yeah. The church ran hospitals. The church opened up universities. The church had orphanages. What are you going to do? You know, people have to eat. And so there should, now the world has put this negative connotation on a Christian having any kind of wealth. The world system has put this negative connotation. Now, have there been abuses? Of course. Uh, you know, every once in a while, there's abuses in Washington, too, you know? <laughs> every once in a while. Like $25,000 toilet seats. Okay, but nobody complains about that. It's just when the church does something. Mm -hmm. You imagine uh, Solomon, by today's standards, the, the, what he, when he built the temple, by today's standards, would be in the trillions. Wow. Trillions. Yes. Could you imagine the kind of criticism we would get if we spent a trillion dollars on building a facility? Yeah, I can, actually. Could you imagine that? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, but nobody has a problem with an insurance company who, who defaults and, and doesn't take care of their clients. When they build a 10-story building yes. uh, that costs uh, $110 million, mm -hmm. nobody complains about that. Yeah, I was going to say the other thing about the church supplying the needs, specifically the material needs. More often than not, the church will do it in a way that maintains the dignity of the individual. Absolutely. It's not just, it's not, it's, it's, it's not putting you on display for, for, for a purpose. It's God just, never robs our dignity. Right. You, say, you go look all throughout the scriptures, you'll never find one time that God, even bringing correction, never robs us of our dignity. It's always the enemy that robs our dignity. <laughs> Think about it, that woman that was caught in the act of adultery, right. okay? The religious leaders, they didn't care about her. They dragged her right out of bed naked and threw her in front of the crowd. Right. Imagine the shame that that woman felt and the humiliation. And, the, and Jesus comes along. What's the first thing he does? He restores her dignity. Amen. So, but that's all part of abundant life. See, we're talking about having an abundant life that Jesus died on the cross and suffered a horrible death so that we would have an abundant life. It's not just about money. Money's the easiest thing to come by. Resources are the easiest thing to come by. It's the fact of having an abundant life of offering compassion to people, offering love to people, having an abundance of forgiveness for other people, having an abundance of patience for people. Yeah, somebody went, oh, yeah. So let's go to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Now, these are, these are the Apostle Paul's words, not me. I'm just reading it. All right? So if you're going to get mad at anybody, get mad at the Apostle Paul. All right? Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, not to trust in uncertain riches. And that, that's a good description about riches, uncertain. Okay? 
but in the living God. In other words, trust in God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Verse 18, let them do good. Let who do good? Them, who? Us that has what? Riches in the present age. Riches in this present age, or wealth, or riches, or, or, or abilities, or connections, or favor, or any of these things that's going to help somebody. We need to do good with it. And we've seen, you know, we've seen people amass fortunes, and they don't really do anything good with it. They just keep it locked up. I remember years ago, we were, we were uh, uh, working with a company. Um, I don't remember who it was. But they were mostly into, like, uh, helping you to establish building programs. Okay. Okay? And I met with this guy. He was from Mississippi or Alabama, someplace down there. And he was telling me uh, about the church that he came, like, he was from years ago, you know. And he said, they got a million dollars sitting in the bank, but they don't do anything for the community. The same million dollars have been sitting in the bank account for, he said, like, 25 years. That's, but think about that. A little church had the ability to amass a million dollars, but it stopped there. You want to know why it stopped there? Because they didn't do anything good with it, and God says, that's it. The tap is shutting off. Mm-hmm. You think that only works on a corporate level? You know, the Bible says there's one that gives and increases more. There's one that withholds and grows poor. That doesn't make sense in the natural. But God, has the, God will pour resources through you in an unlimited manner as long as you do not try to, to build a dam around it, to try to dig it in the ground. Well, that was a parable of the talents, which you can't talk about now because we're going to talk about it in the future. But the same thing. The guy who didn't do anything with what, God, what, the, what the master gave him, he got whatever little bit he had got taken away from him. We don't understand that. No, but there's something in that, in, in that parable. We're not supposed to talk about it. <laughs> Go ahead. He said, Master, I was afraid. He, he was operating in fear with what, he, with what God No, he was operating in fear on a wrong assumption. He said, I was afraid because I know you're a hard taskmaster. How did he know he was a hard taskmaster? Mm-hmm. There's no place in that scripture does it, it, does it say about the character of the master who was giving the resources. There's no place that says he was a hard taskmaster. Obviously, the first guy didn't think he was a hard right. taskmaster. Mm-hmm. The second guy didn't think he was a hard taskmaster. Right. The third guy had the wrong perspective of his employer or master or lord. So we, now we told about it. Okay. So God admonish, uh, admonishes the rich to be aware of two things. This scripture tells us that God gives us richly all things for what purpose? Come on, for what purpose? It says right there. Let them do what? Good. Let the, that, that the rich, that let them be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Now, so in this part of this whole thing too now, which I think we should probably talk about maybe next week more in depth, okay. about stewardship. Yeah. You and I are called to be stewards. You know what a steward is? What is it? Let me hear from you. What's a steward? A manager. An administrator, a person who's in charge of distribution, right? Okay. So the wiser we are with managing what we have, the more God will add to that. The less faithful we are, that'll turn the spout off. 
being wasteful. Now, there's a difference between being cheap and being wasteful. You know, it's, I, I don't like to waste stuff. I don't care what it is. I don't like to waste stuff. Because if I can't use it, I know somebody else can use it. And it always goes back to this. It goes back to, like, God, God has blessed this ministry from the first day. Even before the church opened, God blessed this ministry. He gave us an edge over things. Like, our very first service, September the 14th, 1997, we had a full children's church, okay? We had a full music, a full music ministry. We had a place to meet in. We had chairs. We had everything. And you say, well, uh, that's the least you can do. No, it's, it, when you don't have anything, and God gives you what you need to get started like that, I've never forgotten that. But you see, there's also a personal side. Like, when I first got married, when my wife and I first got married, okay, now, I've been working since I'm 12 years old, right. all right? And I don't mean a pity story. That's just, that's what I wanted to do. I come from that kind of culture. You know, you work. You do, you, you sacrifice so you have a better future or a better future for your children. So uh, by the time I was 19 years old, I bought my first piece of property right here in this neighborhood and, and built a house. When my wife and I got married, I was 21 by that time. We moved into a brand new house with brand new furniture. And it wasn't because we were big shots. It wasn't because I, had, I came from a family that was very rich. It's just God blessed us. Because even though at that time I wasn't born again, even though at that time I couldn't say that I was a, a Christian you know, in relationship with God, but I still believed that, that God existed. And I still believed that he wanted us to be generous and wanted us to help other people. And that was just something that was just natural in my family. Um, I know that doesn't happen all the time, but I thank God for that. So then coming into the ministry is very easy for us. It's very natural. I shouldn't say easy. Very natural for us to have that same mindset of like, if, if I have something and, and somebody else needs it, then I should consider what I'm going to do. If I'm going to either split this in half, and you have half and I have half, mm -hmm. or here, take it. And I, I believe with all my heart that this ministry has had... Uh, we walk in the kind of blessing we walk in because of that, yeah. because of that idea of maybe somebody else can use this. Maybe some, you know, and you see how we are with stuff. Absolutely. You know, with the food pantry next door, there's, there's very little waste. Yeah. Every square inch of this building. Every square inch of this building has been used to the maximum, and this building doesn't owe us any money. Every square, and those that, that work here and those that have been part of this ministry, you know what I'm talking about. Every square inch of this property, never just this building. And we're the same way with the other properties that God has blessed us with. But I think that's a key component that, unfortunately, in this generation has gotten lost. Very wasteful. Something doesn't work, you throw it away, go buy a new one. Uh, no thought of, you know, and, you know, uh, maybe I should turn around when I say this, I don't know. Like, I, right now, there's probably people, not everybody, but there's probably people in this, in this room right now that have... A closet after closet full of clothes that you know you're never going to wear. Yeah. Most of them probably don't fit anymore. Mm -hmm. And they're just there, and yet there's somebody that could be using them. Somebody could be blessed by those. Um, and yet we'll be content to just keep them in boxes and just uh, throw them in the garage, let the moth seed them, mm -hmm. rather than have somebody else uh, be blessed by that. I, I don't think that's the character of God. I think whatever we have, we're supposed to share. And we're supposed to increase. And we're supposed to increase. It, you wouldn't give your money to a money manager in, in, with the idea that in 10 years, you're going to have the same principal balance 
in 10 years. Yeah, what do I need you for? I could keep that myself in a box under my bed. I don't need you. A manager isn't just rearranging things. No. It, it's increase. A steward goes after increase. Exactly. Okay, we need, to, we need to really go into that in depth because that's one thing that's missing in, in most New Testament Christians' mentality. Old Testament mentality is increase constantly. Increase, increase, increase. I don't know what it is about us Christians. We're more content to hold on to what we have than to trust God to increase. You want to say something? <laughs> Microphone. Come on, guy. We need microphones up here. Thank you. We need microphones up here. I just wanted to point something out, Pastor, before we move over to First Timothy. Uh, Do you have one too? And you have it. Okay, good. Um, in this translation line, it's it, when the translators insert something, it puts it in italics. Italicized, yeah. If you take it back out, sometimes they change the meaning, and I think they did right here. Because if you take Which scripture down, are you talking about? The one first Timothy 17. We just okay. okay, watch this. Uh, instruct those who are rich in the present world not to be conceited or to fix their... What world. translation? I'm sorry. What translation are you reading? Uh, New American Standard. Okay. Um, to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. Watch. Who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy to do good. Wow, to enjoy to do good. That's what the Greek was saying. Right. So it's Not a hard issue. The translators stuck in, instruct them to. And when they did that, the English then put a period there. There's no period. We're to enjoy to do good. Right. It's supposed now to bring us. It, we're supposed thing. to be. We're supposed to feel fulfilled and contented. Exactly. Raina, why don't, why don't you sit up here so you don't have to run back and forth? Um, so, so, so now it's a heart issue. Yeah. It's not of how much material you have. It's a heart issue. That we follow in the nature of Christ. We follow in the nature of our God, our Father. And it, it brings him pleasure. We finished last Sunday's message with that with description, Psalm 35. That he delights, God delights in the prosperity of his servants. God delights in the prosperity. God delights to supply you with what you need, not only for your family, but to give you the honor and the privilege of being his hands and his, his feet, going to where, where the need is and bringing the stuff that's needed. Um, as a Christian, I, I, if we have a problem with that, I think we should go to the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit to really change our heart. Because how, how can you say on one, on one side that you, you're, you love just like Jesus loves, and he told us to love that way. But yet, you see somebody in need, and the first thing you think of was, I need this myself. Well, you don't know if you sow. If I, if, if, if I sow this bottle of water, when I say sow, if I, if I invest this bottle of water in somebody's life because they need that, don't I realize that God now has become obligated to not only replace this, but to bring the increase of it? And that was the problem with the rich young ruler. You know, it appear, he, that story appears in all three of the first Gospels. You know, this guy comes to Jesus, puts on a big religious show, like, what do I need to do, you know, to be saved or whatever? And, you know, what should I do to, to get eternal life? And Jesus turned around, because Jesus locates the guy mm -hmm. right away and says to him, you know the story, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. And it says he walked away sad because he had, he had great wealth. He had, he had a lot of stuff. 
and he didn't want to give it away. But he was also shows us that he's ignorant of the scriptures. Because in the book of Proverbs, it says that he who gives to the poor lends to God. I'm going to say it again because I want you to get that. In Proverbs, it says, and I don't know if somebody can look it up real quick. Uh, it says that he who gives to the poor lends uh, to God, and God will not be a debtor to any man. Now, what is it? Proverbs 19.17. Proverbs 19.17. If we could put that up there so everybody could see it so they wouldn't think I'm making it up. Here we go. <laughs> if you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he will repay you. Now, I think we need to go into another thing of this here. Now, watch this now. Because I've had people say, now nobody in here would say anything like this, but I've had people say, Pastor, I don't tithe because I give to the poor. Okay, you, you, it's a whole different story, right? Yeah. Whole different story. Now watch this now. If you're only giving to the poor, I'm not saying don't do that, but if you're only giving to the poor, it says here in this scripture, God will repay you. Well, if I'm being repaid, if I gave this bottle away, one bottle of water away, and God's going to repay me. That means he's only going to replace this one bottle. But with the tithe, he says, try me in this. And see, if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that you can't even count it, that's a whole different principle. I, I want to give to the poor, okay? But I also want to make sure that I'm tithing. Because I don't want just back one for one. Are you getting this? I want the increase because I know God wants us to have the increase. Okay, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, he says that he's the one who gives us the ability to get well. That's a whole other teaching. Now, well, I'm not going to work. I had somebody tell me one time, I'm not going to work because God's going to supply my needs. And I thought to myself, and when you're starving, don't even come to the food pantry because I won't give you a loaf of bread. Because the Bible also tells us that we're to work with our hands so that we have to Give. Okay. <laughs> Am I going too far with this? No. Say, so, well, this sounds very intricate. Yes, there are multitudes of principles in the Word of God as it pertains to finances, as it pertains to stewardship, as it pertains to generosity, as it pertains to abundance. Why? Again, let's go back to what we talked about last week, I think it was. The entire Bible exists to get us back to Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. And in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, there's no lack. Adam and Eve had everything they needed. Everything, was, everything they needed to eat, everything they needed. And, and, and watch this now. And it says specifically there, and God showed them where the gold was. Well, what do you need gold in that environment, in that economy? What does he need gold for? He's pointing them to the future. He's pointing into the future. I was just thinking, in Philippians 419, it says that God supplies all of our need, right? Well, if you're giving to the poor, you're lending to God. So that's not, that's not a need, right? Okay, let's go back there, all right, because that's another pet peeve. Should I just stop? Yeah. Okay. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4. 
Do you remember last week we talked about, and I think even on the weekend we talked about, because this is the first time in the history of this church that we're covering the same topic on a Wednesday night that we're covering on the weekend. Oh, wow. And on top of that, we got financial peace yeah. going on at the same time. Okay? So, how many of you have quoted, what's that? And Bible school is covering finances, okay? Uh, Philippians chapter 4. How many of you have quoted verse 19? Nobody else. No, because you don't know what 419 says. All right, here it is. I'm going to throw this out at you. You tell me how many times you've quoted this. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. How many of you, how many of you know that scripture, have quoted that scripture? Years ago, people used to write it on their checks, even when there was no money in the bank. <laughs> on the electric bill. So let's say it all together. Ready? One, two, three. And my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. How many of you believe that? Amen. Is everybody sleeping tonight? How many of you believe that? How many of you believe you qualify for that? I'm setting you up. Okay. Let's go back to verse 15. Here we go. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning... Who's writing this? Paul. Paul. Okay. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. In other words, you guys... He's telling the Philippians... You guys are the only church that supported my ministry. Okay? Even when he was in a different place. And verse 17 says, Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. So because of these people in the church of Philippi, they, they gathered their, their money together, they sent it to Paul so that he can keep preaching the gospel. All right? And he says, Now, I'm not looking... I'm not looking for you to just get the money back. I'm looking for you to get fruit in your account. Okay, because when you, when, you, when you give money down here, it gets recorded up there. I, I can show you the scriptures if we get time. It gets re recorded up there. So, indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus... The thing sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma. Now, he, he wasn't saying the money smelled. He's saying the very act that you supported the ministry went up to heaven like incense, okay? An acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to who? God. But who got the money? He did. Paul. Paul got the money, but it pleased God mm -hmm. that that church was giving to him. Right. So because the church was giving to him and because the church, the people were helping support the ministry, they qualified for verse 19. So, I'll say it as nice as I can. If you're not giving to the gospel, 
Don't quote that scripture. Oh, wow, that's pretty harsh. No, it's not harsh. It's true. We qualify for prosperity. We qualify for blessing. No, I just believe God knows what I need. He's just going to send it from, from heaven. Really? Then why did he write most of the stuff that he wrote in here? Can I ask you a question? Yeah, please. Because if, if I'm thinking about this wrong, I need to know. <clears throat> so you said that lending to the poor is, is or giving to the poor is lending, lending to God. Lending right? to God. We pay our tithes. Right. We pay tithes. So tithes this, are not an offering. So is this the tithe or is this... Is this no, part? that's offerings. So that's above and beyond. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, there's the tithe and then there's the offering. I know people right now are going to squirm and uncomfortable because <laughs> you're afraid of going to take an offering at the end of the service. I'm yeah, not. But if, but if you're going to claim... But if you're, honestly, if you're going to claim the promise, you need to understand what the promise you gotta is. You've got to understand what the promise is. We, the Bible accurately says... We pay our tithes. Mm -hmm. We give offerings. That's why the tithe, God specifies the amount. With the offering, it says, be a cheerful giver. Second Corinthians chapter 9. Be a cheerful giver. In other words, with offerings, God allows us to make the choice of how much we're going to say. Now, if we're smart, we'll ask the Holy Spirit. We'll ask the Holy Spirit. Um, and it's funny how when your spirit gets trained this way, you can't, um, my wife and I went out to eat yesterday, day before, I don't remember what it was. The waitress, you can see she's pregnant. She's, she's pretty much going to be due any day now. Mm -hmm. So when the, when the bill came, you know, uh, my wife looked at me, and, you know, we know we're all looking at, we're looking at each other with those, and she says, uh, uh, should we bless? I said, of course you're going to bless this person. The poor woman, <laughs> look at her. She's ready to deliver the baby in the kitchen, you know. <laughs> So um, we had gift cards that somebody had given us. So we, we settled the account with the gift card. And I said, no, don't, don't leave the gift card tip for her. Just do that. We'll, we'll use the balance another time. Um, she said, I'll put $50. And I said, all right. But I knew inside it was, it was supposed to be, yeah. And like after the girl left, I mean, she was, she was more than, oh, my gosh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And, but we both looked at each other and went, Man, we missed it. We missed it. Man, it was like the Holy Spirit's going, what are you doing? What are you doing? What is she going to do with $50? You know? <laughs> so uh, we took another 50 in and, and, and gave it to, to, this, to this girl. So we thought we were going out to eat for nothing. It still costs us $100. <laughs> still costs us $100. But, but that's sowing. That's sowing. And, and granted, she may never see us again. We may never see her again. But it, look it, it pleased God. It pleased God. Yeah. It pleased God. And, the, and the fruit is going to balance your account. Exactly. Exactly. Every one of us has an account. There's a, there, and every one of us has a harvest that we should have an expectation for. So don't go around saying, well, I just give. I don't expect to get anything back. What are you talking about? You're, that's contrary to Scripture. <laughs> because, you know, I remember years ago, um, long time ago, um, you know, God blessed us, and even when we didn't know him, he was blessing us. So we, like I said before, it was a natural thing for my wife and I to be generous. It would be a natural thing for my wife and I when we could to bless people or to help them pay a bill or to uh, pay somebody's kid's tuition in, in school. You know, when I had the business, mm -hmm. things were going well. 
But, you know, then there came a time where we were on the other end of things. Yeah. We, went, we lost everything. We went into bankruptcy, lost the business, lost cars, lost property, lost everything. I had to learn how to receive. Yeah. That's a big thing. Yeah. That's tougher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because the first inclination, no, I have my pride. No, well, that's the whole problem. We have our pride. And I remember my pastor at that time coming to see me at my business and saying, you need to learn how to receive now. Because somebody wanted to do something to help us. And we're like, no, 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 because, you know, we're always the ones that used to, you know, when you're used to being that person, it's difficult for you to receive. It's a humbling experience. And would would it be a stretch to say, if I, if I denied you from blessing me, like from giving me money or giving me something, I don't think it's a far stretch to say that I'm somehow... I'm stopping the blessing I'm in your right, life. I'm, yeah, I'm going to stop the blessing. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, because if you can't... Uh, if now, you can't if you sell, know it's God. Right. Now, let's balance things out, because you know probably every one of us in this room, you know, we're talking about real stuff tonight, right? Yes. We have people that want to help us, but they're usually people that want to help you with one hand and knock you down with the other. Or control. Or, or control and strings attached. Or give it you know. to you now and then a year Give it later. to you now, three weeks later. Hey, how do you like that pen I gave you? <laughs> you know? So. <laughs> I do. Especially in our culture. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Uh, so you've got to have discernment to know whether to take something from somebody yeah. or not to take something from somebody. Mm-hmm. So, but this is all the economy of God. He wants us to bless one another. Right. He, he wants us to be able to receive from one another. Jesus said... By the love that you have for one another, all men will know that you're my disciples. So if we're stingy with people, you don't think people notice that? So then how are they going to identify us as a disciple of Christ if we can't take a $5 bill out of our pocket and give it to somebody that we see on the side of the road or $10, $20, whatever the Lord tells you to to give? How can we say that we... And then there's a whole other side of this. Wait, we're really making yeah, progress right. tonight. Yeah. I said to him tonight, come on, let's not talk so much. Let's get through this outline. <laughs> so, now, so now on the other side of things, you've got to learn how to trust God. Yeah. So, so let's say, if the, again, I'll use this. If this is my last bottle of water, and I see some poor person that's sweating their brains out, you could tell they don't have two nickels in their pocket. So, but I say to myself, but, but if I give them this bottle of water, it's the last bottle of water I have. You're not trusting God. Because if I could turn around the corner and find a case of water that God put there because I was willing to sow this. It's, it's, it comes back to what Pastor Jerry said about that scripture. We need to learn how to enjoy to do good. And you can't enjoy to do good if you're not trusting God. See, now, we think small so many times. We think small. And that's what I'm saying. We want to, Christians, for the most part, we want to hold on to everything. God gave me this. God gave me this. But how are you going to ever experience increase if you don't sow? Now, what what do I mean by sowing? Planting. Planting. I'm not not sowing, this sowing. Planting. You've got to constantly be planting, constantly be planting, constantly be planting. Why? Because we want a constant harvest. And it's not God that's holding back anything. If we don't operate in the principles of God, we're holding ourselves back. It's not God holding back. God has already made all things available to us. Peter says it this way. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness 
through the knowledge of him. So you got to know what this says here. you got to have knowledge of the scriptures. And I'm telling you, I thank God when I got saved 39 years ago, man, the Bible, I just fell in love with this word. Mm-hmm. Fell in love with this word. It just intrigued me. It was so, everything just opened up. And it saddens me today, in this day and age, that there's so many Christians that, well, you know, maybe in the midst of a crisis, I'll pull this out. You know, I'm in the emergency room uh, waiting for the doctors to come in, so then I'll, I'll, I'll go on the Bible. We need to be students of the Word. See, you got born again. You accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Bam. Your spirit came alive unto God instantaneously. But you have a soul that needs to be renewed, transformed. And that's only going to come by you learning what this word says. Hallelujah. We still got 15 minutes. Oh, 14 minutes. Let's go. We can go to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 8. Oh, that's the one I was talking about yeah, before. Yeah, exactly. You said. This is, this is Deuteronomy it. chapter 8. Verse 11, we're going to start with. That's in the Old Testament, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, you want to read that? Because I want to find something else that yeah, I mentioned fine. before. All right, so I'm going to start in verse 11 and finish in verse 18. It says, Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments. His okay, judgment, could you stop there for a minute? That's, that is one of the main things that will keep people in poverty. Not remembering God. Thinking that, well, I, I, I worked. I earned this bottle of water. You, you, the only reason you have breath, the only reason why you can put two sentences together in your head, the only reason why you get out, in the, out of bed in the morning is because he gives you the strength. Yeah. Well, I can't give this bottle of water away. I worked hard for this bottle of water. You fool. Go ahead. I won't interrupt you anymore. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not com- keeping his commandments, his judgments, his statutes, which I command you today. I have to say one more thing. Please. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to. Read that again. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments. All right, stop there. Because now, listen, we go from Old Testament to New Testament. Mm-hmm. Remember, Jesus fulfilled the law, right? Okay, I'll say it again. Jesus fulfilled all of God's commandments. So now we say as Christians, well, I don't have to obey any of that stuff anymore. Yeah, but wait a second. Most of the time when God refers to his commandments, he says my commandments and my statutes. Yeah, it says commandments, judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today. So, so here, here's how I want to explain that. So we say, okay, I don't have to obey the old law because Jesus died on the cross, he fulfilled all the law in the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, the whole bit. Yeah, but what about the statutes, the principles? Mm-hmm. If we forget the whole entire Old Testament, all of the principles that we're given to have a life that's going to be pleasing to God, successful, being able to bless others, we've got to work the principles. Right. Sowing and reaping is a principle. You know, we say in the world, what goes around comes around. It's sowing and reaping. Whatever you plant, you're going to reap. Yeah, That's thing, a principle. You think manifesting or whatever they call it. It's the same thing. It's the same it's thing. The same, it's all the same concept. It's all, all the same concept. concept. So if you, if you decide to turn your back on the entire Old Testament because you're not, you don't have to obey the Ten Commandments anymore, 
But what about the principles? He's telling us how to live. You want to have success? Follow these principles. We go, oh, that's Old Testament. Are you kidding me? How are you going to work these things? Jesus walked by these principles. The apostles apostles walked by these principles. The entire nation of Israel was supposed to walk by these principles. And the ones who did gained a tremendous amount of wealth. You think it's any different today? This word is the same, yesterday, today, and forever. When we work the principles that God reveals to us, we will see the results. And if you do it for no other reason, you do it for honor. But that's a whole other... Well, that's a whole other thing. We don't want to talk about that right now. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, your silver and gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied. Multiplied. Just, just one for one? No, multiplied. Oh, it's multiplied. It's not addition. It's what? Multiplied. Multiplication. And it wasn't... Her, it was already herds to begin with. It was right, herds and flocks. Right, that God gave them. And then got multiplied. And got multiplied. Yeah. Increase. Mm-hmm. When your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through that great and terrible wilderness in which, you're, in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do good in the end. Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. In verse 18, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. The power to get wealth. The power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. He gives us power to get well. He doesn't just drop a shopping bag on your front door. He gives you power to get well. Well, I'm not going to work anymore because God said he's going to supply all my needs. Go ahead, starve. <laughs> yeah. he, gives, he gives us wisdom. He gives us wisdom. He gives us principles. He gives us creative ideas. He gives us uh, opportunities. He gives us favor with individuals. Mm-hmm. He gives us the power to get wealth. But if you don't operate that power... Yeah, if you have a, a vacuum, you don't plug it into the... I, I, think, I think I know why the Holy Spirit has really prompted us to go into this direction here. I really do. Because our society has become so polluted with this entitlement mentality. And the entitlement mentality will stop you from operating the principles of the Word. Well, why should I do that? You owe me this. The government owes me this. And the church owes me this. And this organization owes me this. So I shouldn't have to work. I'm going to sit home and you bring me everything. Because after all, you know, I'm a special person. We can fall into that trap here in the church. Any, of course, anybody can fall into that trap. Anybody. Think, if you start thinking of the, the word, like, for instance, he delights in the prosperity of his servants, and we start doing... He delights in the prosperity of who? Of his servants. Not his children. No, his servants. His servants. But we can fall into the oh, trap. Oh, there's a lot here. I can, I'm going to serve... I'm going to start just get stuff from God. Like, right. So that's the wrong heart motive. Of course it's the wrong heart motive. God's not going to, God won't honor the principle if the heart is wrong. Right. You could, like yes. a person can say, I'm going to pray in Jesus' name. Well, what are you praying about? Just because you slap the name of Jesus on the end of the prayer is no guarantee that you're going to, it's got to be according to his will. According to his will. If you're getting involved in stuff that you know outright is not God's will, Either because it's not, he stated in the word, I don't want you living like that, or 
he's told you specifically, that is not for you. You could slap the name of Jesus on the end of that and make the sign of the cross and everything else. It ain't going to happen. And you'll get his mercy, but it's much better to live in his grace. Oh, yeah, he'll have mercy for you. But go ask Pharaoh how, how that worked out. Again, come back to Isaiah 119 that we talked about last week. Mm -hmm. Right? Was it last week or was it? Yeah, right uh, everything right. blends together sometimes. If you're willing, there's a heart motive. Willing. And obedient, yeah. there's our, our will, okay? Mm -hmm. You shall eat the good of the land. Yes. But if you're rebellious and you refuse, the curse comes on you. Mm -hmm. Now, okay, that's Old Testament. We know that Jesus paid for everything on the cross delivered us from the curse of the law, mm -hmm. okay? Not the, the, the planet hasn't been redeemed yet. No. The only, the only people that have been redeemed on this planet are those who have put their trust in Christ. But we're still living on a planet that's under a curse. Right. Okay, but the day's going to come when Jesus returns to stay, mm -hmm. okay? Then the earth is going to get renewed, and the earth will be redeemed, and the earth will go back to the way it was. In fact, probably even better than what it was. Right. So... Yeah, we have a part to play with this. And that, this blows right in the face of this sovereign God thing. Yeah. Blows right in the face. Well, God's a sovereign God. Yeah, he is a sovereign God. And in his sovereignty, he has chosen to abide by the principles that he has revealed to man. Yes. So, just because he's a sovereign God does not mean that you're going to get whatever you want without walking in obedience, without walking in cooperation with him without finding out in the Word what He's promised, we cooperate with Him. Why? We're not robots. He wants us to cooperate with Him so that we'll have the pleasure and the honor and the excitement of going, wow, I saw that promise in the Word and I believe that promise in the Word and I'm receiving that in Jesus' name and then it comes to pass. That's an awesome thing. And He wants us to co-labor with Him. He wants us to co-labor with Him. He doesn't want to sit there, sit there, I'm going to do everything for you. No, come on, let's do this together. Because that's what a father is like with his children. If a father never lets their children pick up a, anything, what pleasure of life is that? You might as well just have robots living in your house. But it's when you work together. And that's another thing that's missing in our society. I pray to God that someday it comes back. Was each generation wants to live on its own. No, we're supposed to be, what's it, inter, inter, intergenerational. We're, how do you say it? Commingle, yeah, kind of it. I know, I know but in other words, gen, we should be multi-generational. Multi the young should be working with the old, and the old should be working with the young and to produce things. So now the old person who might have suffered all kinds of failures in their life, now at this time in their life, they're going, wow, I finally could work together with this person and look what we created. And the young person can have hope for the future. But there's so much that has fractured the generations. Now, amongst, amongst say, if, if you have an immigrant background, you probably have a little bit more of that. Um, but for those that don't have that, and, you know, your family's been here since the pilgrims, uh, you're probably missing out on that. Yeah, how, how many would say they come from an immigrant background here? At least, at least second generation. At least second generation, if not first generation. Yeah, we understand that. You know, you work together to accomplish some things. That's, that, where did that come from? That came from here. God called Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. God never calls one person by themselves. 
You know, most of the people that Jesus called, most of them were all related. Yeah. Most of the disciples, the original disciples were all cousins and relations and brothers. And God never calls one person to do anything. Yeah, you want to separate your family. Can no. You? Yeah, the other thing you said about, and that's, I think this is important, you were talking about God's a father, so he wants to co-labor with us, he wants to help us. So if you've grown up in, a, in an environment where you didn't have a father, or you had a less than stellar father, yeah. and you can't comprehend in your mind what a good father is, you've got to get in this word. If you don't, you're going to be bound to the hurts that you suffered. And you're always going to view God at the hands whatever. of somebody who did, probably didn't even know any better. And you're always, your perception of a father, your perception yeah. of your heavenly father is going to be the best. You'll be you looking at God, God through the eyes of your natural father. Mm -hmm. and that's not good. Cause you to do all types of stupid stuff. I can't believe the time went by already. Anybody have any questions up until this point? Anybody have any questions, comments? We got to do it quick. Nobody has any questions. Oh, we're setting ourselves up for after the service. <laughs> oh, Pastor, I wanted to ask you this, but. Yes, go ahead, Sue. Oh, hold on, hold on. Microphone's on its way. I speak I have friends, I learned from people that are four years old to Put it closer to you. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm learning from people who are four years old to 94. So we all have to work together and we learn from each other and that's the growth of our life and everything else that we're learning in life. So thank you. Amen, amen. Anybody else? All right, so old people, okay, where, where, okay, go ahead. Hello, sorry. So I have a question. <clears throat> In the Bible, I don't know where it's from. Where are you? Here, hi. Is that you, Kristen? <laughs> it's me. Okay. Are you standing up or are you? <laughs> Hey, I'm right there. I can't. <laughs> We're both vertically challenged. Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, so in the Bible, it says that uh, a man will leave his mother and cling to his wife, right? <laughs> <laughs> cleave. Cleave to his wife. No, I'll tell you why I'm laughing after you give me the question. So <laughs> does that mean that you're supposed to be with your wife and make a separate life apart from your mother, or are you supposed to just all live together? I think this is what you should have asked me after this service. <laughs> I'm not touching that one in front of all these people, especially with your husband sitting right here. I could, I could smell a trap like that from miles away. So the reason why I'm, I'm laughing about, the reason why I chuckled when you brought that scripture up, because I just found myself telling this story to somebody. Years and years and years ago, as a young pastor, okay, um, I think I could say this. I don't think anybody here is, was involved in that story. Uh, I was uh, called upon to perform a marriage ceremony for this couple. Counseled them beforehand. Oh, Jesus, should I tell this or not? I've heard, I've heard this story. You've heard this story. Yeah, I've heard this story. So, so, so in this particular situation, and it's nobody you know, nobody you know. Don't try to sit there and try to figure out how it is. This husband 
the guy had left his first wife, okay, and connected with this, with who's going to be his second wife. And so that thing stuck in my head. <laughs> so here I am, and I'm performing the wedding ceremony, and I quote that scripture. And I quoted it this way. And so shall a man leave his wife... <laughs> I wanted to die. <laughs> I wanted to die. It was only the second or third wedding I had ever officiated at. I wanted to crawl under the pews. And every wedding I've ever done since then, I'm like, oh, dear Jesus, please, oh, dear Jesus, please. Because God forbid somebody's video in this yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, for all of eternity, every time they celebrate their wedding anniversary... <laughs> So, Kristen, that's why I started chuckling when you quoted that scripture. And I'm not answering that question in front of everybody here. Pastor Joe, you want to say something before we go? Come on, come and bless us with your wisdom. Come on. I just wanted to point out that you touched on it, but we, it, it's really important, and it's uh, an important point that the, that the teaching at the Bible school is going to bring home is that in Leviticus 27, it says very plainly, God says, the tithe belongs, belongs to, to me. the Lord. Yeah. I declare the tithe holy. So you can't give a tithe because you don't own it. That's you right. You only give what you own. It's his. And you said very, you know, before we bring our tithes. We pay our tithes. Because that's what belongs Because in reality, we're partners with God. Exactly. He allows us to keep the 90%. All he's asking is for the 10%. Now, if you had that kind of an arrangement, that's a good deal. Really for me, I would have went for at least 25%. Yeah, it's a good deal. <laughs> yeah, it's a good deal. He put up all the capital. He put all the capital. He gave you the resources. He gave you the startup. He gave you all that stuff. And all he's asking for is 10%, yeah. right? So, so in a natural company, if you have an arrangement like that, and you insist that you're going to keep the 10%, what would you call that person in legal sense? Theft at minimum. More and the microphone. At minimum, theft, more like embezzlement. Embezzlement. What do they do with embezzlers? They put them in jail. Okay, so, so you brought up the tithe. I was going to hold off on this. You remember before, earlier, I said what we give when we pay our tithes here, it's recorded for us in heaven. Mm -hmm. Hebrews chapter 7. Okay, verse 8. Now, remember, you got to remember this to put it in the right context. What I'm about to read to you is proof that Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, was written before the temple was destroyed. Okay. So that means this book is before 79 AD. Most people today will put it in, oh, this was written 100 years afterwards. No, it was not. It's impossible. Because the writer of Hebrews says, verse 8, here mortal men receive tithes. Well, where would they receive the tithes? Temple. In the temple. But there he receives them of whom is it, it is witnessed that he lives. You know what this is telling us? It would appear that you... you that Jesus knows when we pay our tithes. Yeah. I'll say it again for the people in the back that maybe didn't catch it. According to the Hebrews chapter 7, verse 8, there is an accounting system. We don't know what it's like, but there's an accounting system in heaven. And we pay our tithes, it's recorded for us. It's received, it's, re what was that? <laughs> uh, 
See, even the baby knows it. Because <laughs> their spirits are alive unto God. Amen. Here, mortal men receive tithes. The priests are mortal men. Yes. But there, he receives them, of whom it is witness that he lives. I know it gets quiet when you're talking about this kind of stuff. Case closed. <laughs> I would not not pay my tithes if it was the last dime that I had. I will never want to dishonor him. Well, that's easy for you to say. You know, you're probably always, but no, 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 no. We paid it when we were wealthy. We paid it when we were poverty-stricken. Because 10% is 10%. Now, I'm glad he structured it that way. He didn't give us, say, well, you need to at least give $1,000. No, he, 10%. So whatever it is, 10%. When I made $100, $10 went. If I made $1,000, $100 went. If I made $10,000, it's 10%. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you came out tonight? Yes. Well, Pastor Joe, that was Old Testament. Oh, really? Jesus talked about it in the Gospels when he was talking to the Pharisees. He said, you're, you're, you're so picky you with every little thing, and, and you, you tithe on your mint, and you tithe on, on spices. In other words, your spices, whatever you gather mm -hmm. from the garden, you make sure you take 10% of that. Mm -hmm. so, so obviously, and he said, and this you should do. Jesus said that, and this you should do. He said, but you, you know, you forget about the weightier things of life, justice and compassion and pity, mm -hmm. stuff like that. But in that statement, he confirmed that you should tithe. Right. And as far as I know, the Gospels are, are still New Testament, okay? And even if you say, well, it's between the, the, between the Old Testament and New Testament, okay, fine. Well, then what do you want to do with Hebrews chapter 7? <laughs> well, that's Old Testament. Let me just tell you this real quick, and we're going to go. You know how you interpret these things? Okay. Whatever changed from Old Testament to New Testament, and it's in Scripture that's changed, we go with the change. Whatever has not changed, we do the same stuff we would have done in the Old Testament. For instance, are we told in the New Testament that you can't eat pork? Or lobsters? Or shrimp? Or shellfish? Or are we told in the New Testament you can only wear clothing with only one type of fabric in it? What? That changed. Yes or no? Yes. So then we, follow, we don't follow the Old Testament rule because it changed. Mm -hmm. The Old Testament, you couldn't have anything to do with Gentiles. Right. Are we told that? New, even Peter had a problem with that. But God showed him, don't call unclean that which I've called clean. Mm -hmm. So you change that now, okay? So, but what, what do we not have changed? Nowhere does it say anything different about the time. No. Then say stop doing this. So. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Just real quick. Good. It's always important to me when, when we read the tithe is the Lord's, that I pay my tithe. I'll just use an example. You get mad at me and, I, and, 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 I'm, and I'm offended. And you stop paying I your tithe. I don't withhold my tithe because, you, because, I'm, no, because no, I'm mad at you this week. No, I imagine there would be some people. I know for a fact there's some people who have done that in the past. And I laughed at myself going, <laughs> it's not going to my pocket. Yeah. It's, it's the Lord's, right? It's the Lord's. And he's still keeping it. Keep Are you it. mad with him? Just always think about and, that. And, and again, remember this distinction here. Because a tithe is not an offering. A tithe is 
First 10% of all increase, okay? That's it. Offerings, we decide, we determine. So now watch this now. I can apply my faith to the fact that I'm a tither for protection, because he said I'll rebuke the devourer on your behalf. Okay, I'll bring you increase. I'll bring you, I'll open up the windows of heaven. You can't, I'll pour out a blessing. Okay, but my real increase comes on my offerings because that's over it and above the tithe. That's seed. That's seed. Thank you. That's seed. Tithe is not seed. Offerings are seed. That's why it's so important. Tithe and offering. Hallelujah. Hello? I have a question about the offering. About the what? The offering. Okay. Does it have to be done, like, in the ministry? Like, it, if I'm doing something for someone that I know can't afford it, and I'm like, don't worry about it, does that count as offering, or is it only... Okay, but are you taking that out of your tithe? No. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. So it doesn't have to just be in the church. It can be... No. Uh, but, well, listen, that's... I'm glad you brought that up, because I forgot this, because I really had no intentions of going that direction tonight. I don't want everybody to be nervous, okay? So, but, but here's the thing, okay? Oh, man, it just went out of my head. The tie to the church, the tie to the offering somewhere that's not the church. Oh, my God, I hate when that happens. Holy Ghost, bring it back to me. Say what you said again. Do our offerings... Like, is it still an offering if it's Oh, that's what I was going to say. Oh, I was going to say. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Okay, it's more important to be led by the Spirit of God when it pertains to offerings. We don't need to be led by the Spirit of God pertaining to the tithe because he already told us in here what to do. I don't have to go, oh, Holy Spirit, do you want me to pay my tithe? <laughs> no, it's already in there. But when it pertains to us giving offerings, you want to be led by the Holy Spirit. Because it's the things that he leads us to that we're going to be blessed on. Not, the, not just the ideas. Of, I'm not going to pay my tithes because I'm supporting a family member who can't pay their rent. No, now you took it out of God's pocket. It's supposed to come out of your pocket. Does that make sense? God could pay it for them. He doesn't need you. So in that scenario, you just, you just I didn't pay my tithe, but I gave it to somebody else. I actually didn't sow any seed. Because, because I didn't no, I took it out of somebody else's pocket. Yeah, yeah Rob God, so I'm not even saying. Well, it's like, you know, somebody in the lobby, I know they're going through a hard time, and I go to Jerry, hey, give me $100, I want to bless that person. <laughs> he said to me, <laughs> he said, what do I need you for? I'll go bless the person. <laughs> yes or no? Yeah. It's like when you take it away at the time, God's going, I don't need you to do this. I can get the glory for myself. Right? Does that make sense? That's another reason why we should, do, we should do things anonymously. Not looking for the glory. Not looking for the, for the praise here. When we do that here, you got your reward. Don't expect anything when you get to heaven on that particular thing. But yeah, it's more important to be led by the Holy Spirit when it comes to offerings. There's no need to be led by the Holy Spirit when it comes to time. The tithe doesn't need leading of the Holy Ghost. It needs obedience. Mm -hmm. and, and that, listen to me. Why is the tithe so important? Because every time you pay your tithes, you're saying to God, I trust you. Amen. 
I need every penny that I have, but you know what? I'm going to put the first 10% aside. This is yours. This is my, my act of gratitude for all that you blessed me with. And listen to me. When you do that, the 90% that you're left with goes way further than the entire 100% that you would have held on to. Amen? Amen. So you got less than number. You got like the fifth week from now, you got it tonight. No, it wasn't your fault. It's just that's the way it went. We're good? Let me pray before we go. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord God, that the teacher, the Holy Spirit, who Jesus introduced to us, that he would lead us and guide us in all truth. Holy Ghost, I pray that you would continue from this night forward to each individual one of us in this room, that you will continue to reveal yourself, continue to reveal the will of the Father, continue to illuminate the word to us, Lord God. Open our eyes to see the wondrous things that are in your word. We bless you for tonight. We thank you so much for your presence here. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for shedding your blood for us. Thank you for purchasing our salvation. We bless you tonight, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now, if anybody needs prayer for anything, please don't just leave. Come up front. There's people up here that will pray for you. Amen.